bless the Lord for this wonderful morning. I trust we all had a wonderful night. Nobody woke up uh, to do any manifestations in the kitchen. <laughs> amen and amen. We thank the Lord. We are going to continue in our studies this morning. Hallelujah. And I've endeavored to put my notes in another PowerPoint for you guys. I felt you guys enjoyed the PowerPoint, so let me just lay it on you again. Amen and amen. That would mean that the teaching will be a little bit academic. Hallelujah. You know, the, the thing is, I'm a PhD, so it comes natural. I teach. It comes natural. Hallelujah. But sometimes you want to get out of that mood a little bit. Amen and amen. We give God praise and we give God glory. Hallelujah. Let's do a quick recap of some of the things that we dealt with last night. It's very important. <coughs> the proof that you learned is that you remember. It's very simple. This one is not a revelation I had. <laughs> It's a general knowledge everybody knows. <laughs> By the time you sit for an exam, you would understand this statement of mine. Amen and amen. The proof that you have learned is that you remember. Amen and amen. That's why Paul would write to the brethren and say, I put you to remembrance. Hallelujah. What are some of the things we learned last night? Anybody with their notes wants to refresh our memory? Amen and amen. Or should I go around and ask everyone? Hallelujah. What are some of the things we learned last night? A believer is not obligated to pay tithe. A believer is not obligated to pay tithe. Hallelujah. That was a side discussion that came in. But it's a good learning. It's good. It's not obligated to pay diet. Hallelujah. What are some of the things we learned last night? What was the topic for last night? Foundation. Fundamentals. 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 The essence of scripture. Hallelujah. And we laid some foundations upon which we build. We said that the knowledge of our faith comes from the text of scripture. We cannot know God outside of the scriptures. We establish that as a fact. Hallelujah. We can't know God by visions. So if somebody writes a book and starts talking about visions, he went here, this is how you know, forget about it. The Bible says that we have a more sure way of prophecy, which will do well to pay heed until the day starts the phosphorus arises in our hearts. We have a more sure word of prophecy. Now, that the Greek for that statement, more sure word of prophecy, is not a comparison to other people's visions or thoughts or stuff. No. It's not like, okay, the Bible is a more sure word of prophecy than there are other prophecies. No. He's simply saying that we have the word that has been fulfilled. The fulfillment of the scriptures is what he's talking about. Hallelujah. We have a more sure word of prophecy. That is, we have 
prophecies concerning someone that has been forbidden. Then it says, we will do well to pay him as a light that shines in darkness until the day star arises in our hearts. Who is the day star? Jesus Christ. He is the light, the true light. He was the light in the scriptures. That is Genesis to Malachi, the Lord and the prophet. He was and is the light that was shining as through dark places. Because the sayings of the prophet, the prophecy of the prophets, and the writings of the apostles, the, 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 the Old Testament prophets and Moses, they are dark. They are dark. Hallelujah. Then they call them shadows. So there was a light that was, but there was a, they carried a light that was shining through them. And the full manifestation of that light was in Christ because He is the light that was shining through. They could not see them. Let me give you an example. Moses in the garden, he did not see Jesus. What he was, so was the tree of life. But we know that tree of life is who? Jesus. Hallelujah. Among the Israelites, they did not see Jesus. What did they see? A goat, which they brought for sacrifice. Types and shadows, that's what they did. Moses lifted a serpent, a type, a shadow of what? Christ. Hallelujah. They could not see until John the Baptist came. And Jesus referred to him as the greatest of all the prophets. Why? Because he pointed to the light, the desert. What did he say? This is the Son of God. He pointed to him. This is the Lamb of God. The Lamb you people have been killing. This is he. Who takes away the sins of the world. He pointed to him. Nobody could point Jesus out. It was only him. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. That's the day star that rises in our hearts. So out of the scriptures comes the day star. It was shining through dark places. Amen and amen. That's what Jesus and all the scriptures speak about me. Hallelujah. John says he is the light that lights every man that comes into the world. He said the light shines in darkness. It's not darkness as in the kingdom of darkness. In that, he said the light shines in darkness and darkness comprehends it not. That's the way they use it. That means it does not, and they cannot grasp it. It has to do with understanding. The Old Testament folks, even though they prophesied, the things of which they prophesied, they themselves did not understand it. They couldn't grasp it, but the light was shining through the darkness. The darkness of their ignorance. It was still shining through. Amen and amen. I know we've used that scripture so many times. Especially when we are fighting the devil. The light shines in darkness and the darkness comprehends it. But hallelujah. Let us comprehend me. To understand. To grasp. Hallelujah. Amen. It's true. The devil can't grasp the light. What he's really talking about is shining through dark places until he came forth. Amen and amen. For us. Says, this is the true light. 
delight every man that comes into the world. And if you notice, John, John likes those statements. He was in the truth. And he always used it as a comparison to something, the shadows that the Israelites had been dealing with. Jesus said that, I am the true bread. What was he comparing it to? The bread they ate in the, in the wilderness. And the bread of the Passover they had been eating. For centuries they had been eating that bread. So when Jesus sat at table with the disciples, and he ate the last Passover, he said, this is my body. What was he saying? This thing you people have been doing, this shadow you have been living in, I am the reality of it. This cup of wine you are drinking, this is my blood. My blood is the reality of it. This thing you are doing is a shadow. For as long as you were doing it, you were showing my death. You were prophesying my death until now that I have come to die and fulfill it. If I fulfill it, put it away. Hallelujah. Light is coming to you. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. A sign in our hearts. To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. You will not live in shadows anymore. Do you know that we are sometimes, we are no different. And today we are going to see, we are going to talk about the covenants. Hallelujah. Sometimes we are not different from the, from the Israelites. Because we love to live in shadows. Because Paul says that. If you have been re- re- delivered by Christ, why as though, you know, touch not, taste not, handle not, you know, let no man judge you, meet and drink and respecting holidays and Sabbath and all those things. Hallelujah. Because those things are shadows, the reality, the body is Christ. I'm touching on some areas that are a little bit controversial. And even me, I was very, you know, until I learned these things, I was, you know, I was so zealous for them. But I say Christ is our Passover. Hallelujah. The bread and wine you eat and drink is not your Passover. Christ Jesus himself is your Passover. How do you eat Christ? Except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. What does that mean? How do you eat Christ? It's not a rhetorical question, I need an answer. How do you eat Christ? Talk to me, I've taught you before. How do you eat Christ? How do you feed on Christ? How do you feed on him? By believing. By believing him. Except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. How would you have the life of Christ in you? By believing. Whosoever believes him should not what? Perish, but have what? Everlasting life. You feed on Christ not by eating bread and wine. Sometimes even baked by a non-believer. You feed on Christ by believing in Him. Hallelujah. May God give us insight. You will stop living in shadows. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. When Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, you know, he said, I cannot talk to you as unto spiritual. I have to talk to you as unto base. Because you are yet carnal. You were still dabbling in things like this, in fleshy things, carnal things, and you were dabbling in all these shadows. So they were asking about covering your head in worship and all those things. The most said, listen, your head is Christ. The reality is that your head is Christ. It's not about putting a scarf on your head. Which some people have made a doctrine out of. Somebody says he's in hell because he didn't cover his head. <laughs> he went to church. Some people are so strict on it. If you don't put scarf on your head, 
So that if she's in trouble, the lady's in trouble, she has to run out as scatter to the house looking for the scab before she can pray. Oh God, I'm sorry, I didn't have my scab on, you know, then he's pulling the scab in. My goodness, shadows come out into the reality. Your hair is who? Christ. And he says the kingdom of God is not in meat and drink. You know what he's talking about? It's these things. Hallelujah. <laughs> when you eat bread and you drink wine, it goes into your stomach. It comes out of you. Does it not come out? Does it stay in your stomach? It comes out. It's not when a man eats that defiles him or makes him holy. That thing cannot heal you. What heals you is the life of Christ. Hey, come on here. What heals you? The life of Christ, not the bread and the wine. We like shadows. That's why we carry anointing bottles everywhere. <laughs> you pray for someone unless you pour oil, the guy is not convinced. <laughs> He's not convinced you must pour oil. We love shadows. We always want to, you know, why? When the reality is there. Because our minds have not been elevated from the canal to the spiritual yet. And yet, still, even after we've been taught, we still want to return to that. That's why when Paul wrote to the Galatians, say, Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Having begun in the spirit, you now want to be made perfect in the flesh. He said, this I will ask of you. Receive ye the spirit by the words of the Lord, by faith. Hallelujah. Come out of the shadows. Hallelujah. Somebody said, I step out of the shadows. Amen. That says that we have a circumcision. We put no confidence in the flesh and worship in the spirit. We worship where? In the spirit. For God is what? Spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. That is reality. Who is the reality? Christ. You don't worship in the shadows anymore like the way they used to. They used to eat bread and wine representing the coming Passover. Now the Passover has come. Jesus. He says I'm the Passover. And you are still eating bread and wine. <laughs> John the Baptist said, I indeed baptize you with what? Water. He that is coming after me is greater than I. Listen to the words of John. He will baptize you with water. Is that what John said? He will baptize you with what? The Spirit. That means that when he that is greater than me comes, water baptism will end. What will happen now is spirit baptism. Is that not it? Listen to the way the Lord. John says, I indeed baptize you with water. I started water baptism. Before John, nobody did water baptism. It was John, that's why it's called John the Baptist. He says, I indeed baptize you with what? Water. It's a type, it's a shadow. That was John's own shadow he added to the many shadows before the reality came. But he says, He that is coming after me is greater than I. The largest of his shoes I'm not worthy to untie. He says, He will baptize you with water. Is that what he said? No, talk to me. We are reading scripture here. He will baptize you with what? The Holy Spirit. That means the water was representative of what? So now that you have been baptized in the Spirit, why do you need the representation again? 
If you want the real thing, why do you still want to hold on to the representation? Imagine, like Lorraine and I go married and I travel somewhere to China doing the work of the ministry. And I'm sending Lorraine letters. I'm sending Lorraine letters. I take pictures of myself. Lorraine misses me so much. I've spent years over there in the work of the ministry. She's not seeing me. And I keep sending her. Let's imagine that since we married, we got married by Lorraine marriage. She has not seen me before. All she has is my pictures. She's been looking at. All over the bedroom, my pictures are everywhere. On the bed, left and right is everywhere. She's losing between my pictures. Then I now tell her I'm coming. Then I now arrive and I've come to Lorraine. And she has now seen the reality of the pictures she was looking at. Right? Now that I'm home, if we are going to bed at night, and she still has my pictures all over the bed. And I'm sleeping there, Lorraine has my picture and just caressing my picture and I'm lying down there. What will you say to her? What will you say to her? She's still so poor. She wakes up in the morning, she will not even say good morning to me. The way she used to say good morning to my pictures and talk to my picture, that's the same thing she's doing. Ignoring me, the real person that has come. What will you say to her? What will you say to her? <laughs> Stay woke. I love that. What will you say to her? You shake your head. <laughs> really, what will you say to her? Are we sick? But sadly, that is what. Lori, what will you say to yourself? <laughs> Hallelujah. But sadly, that's what we are doing as believers. We still are holding on to the pictures. We love the picture. When the real thing Christ has come is in your heart. The reality in the spirit is with you. But we are still holding on to the shadows. We love the anointing butter. We love the wine and the bread. We love the water. <laughs> we love shadows covering the hair. We make doctrines out of them. Then the reality is that you watching us. Christ and the spirit are in the watching us. What are you doing? I no, long, I no longer need any representation. Before you saw me, you needed representation. Now I'm here. Hallelujah. That's why we, we don't worship in the flesh anymore. We worship in the spirit. Take those shadows out of your worship. You are better off. What is spirit baptism? To be born again. That's what Jesus said. Except a man be born of water. That is the spirit. It is not except a man be born of water and the spirit. How do we know that? Pastor Sam, are you now translating the Bible by yourself? No. Study in context. Because after he said that, he never mentioned water again. He said, except a man be born of water. I'm quoting the word is written there. Except a man be water, born of water and the spirit. He cannot see the kingdom. Then he goes on to say, that which is born of spirit is spirit. That which is born of flesh is spirit. They didn't mention water anywhere again. Hallelujah. He said, The spirit blows where it lives. You hear the sound thereof. You know not from whence it comes or whence it goes. So is every man born of spirit. He said, So is every man born of water and spirit. The water is representative of what? The spirit. Because there's an, except a man be born of water, that is, that word and there has seven meanings. Hallelujah. They agree. And in the context, 
the proper remedy should be that is the spirit. The Bible says that not by works of righteousness which you have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Titus 25. How? Through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Where is the water? How can this water I put you inside bring? How can you save you? But some people believe that unless you put me inside the water, I'm not saved. You will not make heaven as a matter of fact. Hallelujah. Come out of shadows. But you see, God, we can keep doing Not that they are harmful. There's nothing harmful about it. You can keep doing them. But you see, it has an effect on your thinking. You don't come into the fullness of spiritual worship. We have to give it up. As a pastor, I've been there before. I've seen those that. You see, the more I study, I find that, come on, we have to give up the shadows and enter into the fullness of the reality. Amen. Say, Christ is my Passover. Hallelujah. Christ is what? That means by Him, I passed over death. Don't pass over death by eating bread and wine. What will that do to you? How many bread and wine have you not eaten? Killing that one sounds of people doing it. Because they check it. You must examine yourself whether you are pure or not. The thing that is unnecessary, even that one, they will know it. Because they must examine themselves to see whether they are. And if you study in context, then you realize that Paul, because in chapter 5, we are talking about Christ being a Passover in chapter 11, where he talks about what we call the Lord's sacrifice, talking about their love feast. Not communion. We designed communion. Hallelujah. The church designed communion. And it's nice, it's beautiful. You take the bread. On the night he was betrayed, he broke the bread. Hallelujah. And we break, and we feel all holy. Everybody's quiet, solemn, and they give a nice, slow song. Amen and amen. The people are reflecting on you think they are reflecting. Reflect on your sins. Ask God to forgive you before you partake of the bread and the wine. And people are there like this. Yeah, he's not for he's not asking for forgiveness. <laughs> he's thinking about the soup he left in the fridge. <laughs> he ate it before he came to church or not. Hallelujah. Paul says, What is wrong with you? Have you no houses to eat in? Amen and amen. Says when you come together, one is full, one is hungry. How do you eat communion to be to be full? They are love feast. But when they come together, they don't share. The thing Paul was dealing with was sharing. Hallelujah. Sharing. If you are truly in Christ, you share. So he is dealing with. Let's come out of shadows. These things it will take a while for some of us to have a change of mind because you see, we've grown up with it. So it's difficult sometimes, but I understand. We'll keep pushing it. Amen and amen. Come out of the shadows. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Are we in sin? We yeah, are fully. Fumi is like, okay, but Sam, you don't worry, I'll think about it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Listen. The reality is Christ. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter number one, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners, had spoken to us in times past 
by the prophets have in these last days spoken to us in the person of the Son. God at sundry times and in diverse manner. Sundry times means in portions of truth. That means they never had the whole truth. It was portions of truth. So the Old Testament law and prophets, it was progressive revelation. Hallelujah. So you see, what is greater than the other? Until it all culminated in Christ Jesus. In these last days, God did not speak to us by those words. He spoke to us in the person of His Son. The real thing itself, what the prophets were speaking at some time, that is in portions of truth and in diverse manners, by different ways, God spoke to them. Or God spoke to them. They carry portions of the truth. Portions of the truth in progressive revelation. That is why John's revelation of Jesus was greater because he could point to Jesus that this is him. This is the Lamb of God. This is him. Hallelujah. But it means he has spoken to us in the person. So Christ is the totality of the message of God to us. We don't look elsewhere anymore. Amen. Christ is it. It's not that Christ and others. I used to think doing character studies in the Bible was so important. Let's take Esther and study Esther, the life of Esther. Ruth, the life of Ruth. The only character study you should do is the life of Christ. Hallelujah. The Bible says, they without us should not be made perfect. Somebody that needs you to be perfect. You are rather studying the person. The person should be studying you. Elijah and Elisha and the prophets in heaven, they want to study the new creation in Christ. Hallelujah. They want to study the new creation in Christ. Because the things of which they spoke, they themselves did not understand. That's why sometimes they added their impressions to it. And Jesus had to come and correct. So Jesus comes and says, You have heard it said, but now I say to you, did Jesus ever say, Thus saith the Lord? Did Jesus ever say, Thus saith the Lord? He is the Lord. Hallelujah. He is the Lord. So he says, I say, okay, me myself I'll come. But you see, believers, somebody tells you, for example, I'm the master of the house. And just what I want to say, alright, just for you are my children or you are my servant. I'm the master of the house. And the servant tells, you know, one of the workers comes around and one of my servants tells them, tell, you know, my master says you have to do it this way. You have to move the curtains and put it here. And the guy is busy doing that. And I come and I say, hey, don't put the curtains there. Put it in the room there. I'm the master of the house. And the guy is telling me, oh, your servant says we should put it here. He's fighting me. They must stop the house. That's how we are. The master has come and say, I said to you, Hallelujah. We don't want, we want what? You know, some people value, they value Elijah about Jesus. They value Moses about Jesus. Jesus is not like one of the prophets who came and, you know, he's one of the. No! I want to be like Ezekiel. I want to be like Elijah. 
Oh God, for the days of Elijah. These are the days of Elijah. These are the days of Elijah. These are not the days of these are the days of the Christ and his people, the new creation. Hallelujah. What are the days of Elijah? What are we doing with Elijah now? What are we doing with him? Did he even say anything about Jesus when he lived? You were as relevant as you spoke about Jesus in the Old Testament. That's why Jesus never quoted Elijah. When the disciples tempted and quoted Elijah, let's call down fire as Elias did. Jesus said, you don't know what man of spirit you are of. Immediately he corrected them. That means Elijah was in the wrong when he did that. When he called the best to consume the children. He thought he was displaying power. <laughs> and most of us, we learn our understanding of God from them. But these people had a shadow vision of God. The reality is Christ. He is the express image of His person. He said to him, anyone that has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus is God incarnate. Great is the mystery and without controversy. Great is the mystery of Godliness. God was manifest in flesh. That was the incarnation. Hallelujah. When he says without controversy, it means that this is something that is settled. This is something that we all hope to be true. We've come to hold to be true. Great is the mystery. God was manifest in the flesh. Hallelujah. Who is that? Jesus. Jesus is not one among the number. He's the real deal. Hallelujah. So let's stop chasing after shadows. You shouldn't want to be like Elijah or David. I want to be like David. A man after God's own heart. Hallelujah. Then what are you? In Christ Jesus, what are you? Amen and amen. I want to be like Abraham. Then read the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 11. He puts them all, he loves them all together. He said, These all died in their faith. Have they not received the promise? That's why they are faith. The faith they live by is the kind of faith that is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But many believers want to live by that faith. Your faith is not the substance of things hoped for. What you hope for, do you have? When you are hoping for something, do you have it? You don't have it. You are expecting, but you don't have it. Hallelujah. We have it. What is what were they hoping for? And what were Hallelujah? What what have they not seen that they were expecting? Christ. But we have it. If you don't study the chapter before, you will think Hebrews 11.1 1 is a definition of faith. No, he's talking about the faith of those fathers. He said, by it, the elders, not you, the elders, verse 2, 11 verse 2, the elders obtained a good report. Who obtained? Not you, the new creation. The elders. Then he goes on to list the elders. He talks like, he labels all of them from Abel the righteous. He comes down to all of them. Moses, Abraham, all those people, Jephthah, Samson, he lists them all. David, he lists them all. All they, they, all they obtained was a good report. Well done. 
Why well done? Because you could see Christ in a time. So well done. That's all. But they did not have the real thing. Abraham did not have the real thing. David did not have the real thing. We have the real thing. Amen and amen. So he says, so right after he finishes that, he says, looking away from these people unto Jesus, the author. When he says looking unto Jesus, the author they're looking away. Stop looking at these people. Stop looking at the shadows. Stop looking at the elders. Unto Jesus. Because he is your faith now. You have him. You have it. It's no longer a substance of things you are hoping for. What are you hoping for? You have Jesus, you are hoping for something else. What else are you hoping for? You have it. Hallelujah. Looking away unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Not only the author, he was the one who began this faith in them. And it traveled through until it was finished. That is fulfilled. You have the fulfilled. Hallelujah. Are you getting me? What I will try to do. Let me help you come out of shadows. Amen and amen. In your thinking. Because as we learn today, we've not started the message for today. As we learn today, today we are going to talk about the realities of the new covenant. It is dangerous to mix the old and the new. And be worshipping and practicing haha. <laughs> when you want to enjoy grace more, then you come into the new covenant. When you want to, then you go to the no. Hallelujah. We have the real deal, Jesus. As a person, God who commanded the light. I love that scripture. Second Corinthians chapter number five. One of my favorite chapters in the Bible. God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. That means the glory of God is in a, is a knowledge. Is what? A knowledge. This knowledge is a light. It is in the face of Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. So as we behold Christ Jesus, we receive this knowledge, which is the glory of God. Hallelujah. It is not in the face of Elijah and Moses. So stop looking at them. Not in the face of Adam, certainly not in the face of Eve. I'm not trying to be sexist here. Hallelujah. It's not in the face of Abel and certainly not in the face of Cain. <laughs> amen and amen. Amen. They want to be like you. Even the angels, the Bible says, weak things the angels long to look into. Even the angels, they want to understand, they want to see the blessing of the new covenant, the blessing of the new creation in Christ. Some of us worship angels. We esteem angels. So the writer in Hebrews, he knows that he knew that the Jews they love angels. So right in Hebrews chapter number one, he puts that thing, he puts that thing to death. 
he just settled that matter. He said, To which of the angels did he at any time say, Sit at my right hand? But to the son, hallelujah. Immediately he places a distinction between Jesus and the angels and puts them somewhere. And that's the matter. Then he takes Moses, handles Moses, puts him somewhere. Takes Joshua, the one brother to the promised land, handles him and puts him somewhere. Hallelujah. He takes Melchizedek. We'll come to that. Hallelujah. <laughs> handles Melchizedek and puts him somewhere. Then he brings all the elders. <laughs> I love Hebrews. The way he does it. Then he brings them more, handles them, then puts them there. He says, Now, look away from all these things. He handles all the sacrifices, the temple, the worship, the booths, the goods, everything. Handles everything, puts it somewhere. They say, Look away from all these things unto who? Jesus. Amen and amen. You see? Jesus is the reality of it all. Somebody say, Jesus is the reality of it all. Jesus is the reality of it all. Hallelujah. So for you as a believer, I keep saying to you that your greatest asset is knowledge. What you should be concerned about is growing up in Him, in knowledge. Spiritual growth, and we know today, spiritual growth is actually a function of your knowledge of who you are in Christ. Amen and amen. Your knowledge of Christ and His finished work. That's what you should be concerned about. That's why the epistles are focused on that. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. We give God praise. We give God glory. Amen and amen. We are getting there gradually. We are getting there gradually. Hallelujah. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is, somebody talk to me, a new creation. He is a new creation. All things are. The old system of worship is no longer in it. The old system of worship, we boost and go to tighten all those offerings, sin offering, wave offering, heave offering, uh, first fruit offering, all those offerings. Away! Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Away with that system of worship. All things have become what? New. But some people know here where. They were carrying And you know what they do? Cunningly and sadly turn it nicely and offer to you in Christ. Hallelujah. Away with those things. We are the circumcision. Who put no confidence in the flesh and worship God in the spirit? We worship God where? In the spirit. That is where the reality is. Since by you are in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God and the spirit of Christ dwells in you, that's where you are. You don't get in the spirit when we are about to pray and I say, oh, get in the spirit, get in the spirit. And, no. <laughs> you are in the spirit. When you are cooking, you are in the spirit. That's what the Bible says. If you live in the spirit, walk in the spirit. So you see, the Christian life is a teaching of how to walk in the spirit because that is where you live 24 7. 
You never live there. You cannot live there. You are there. You were born there. What is born of spirit is spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh. He says, then he tells you that you are not of the flesh, but of the spirit. If so be that the spirit of Christ dwells in you. Hallelujah. So walk in the spirit. Walk in there. You are there. Everywhere you go, you are in the spirit. That's when you are here. When you are in the plane, you are in the spirit. You are not in the spirit when you take your Bible. Or when you do. No, that's not when you are in the spirit. Hallelujah. If you have this consciousness in you, imagine how your life will be, your Christian life will be. Amen and amen. You give up shadows. Stop, ch- stop chasing shadows. We'll see that. We'll see that. There's a scripture in Hebrews. When I show it to you, you'll be like, hey, seriously, what was I doing? Or what have we been doing? You want to say that the law, which has a shadow of things to come, and not the very image of the things it represents. It is not the very image. It's just a shadow. Even being a shadow, it is not the very image. <laughs> Hallelujah. You go stay somewhere. Amen and amen. Like, you know, our brothers, the dispensationalists, who purport that <laughs> when Christ comes, he's about to establish the, the third temple in Jerusalem. You know, like the section of believers who are supporting Israel seriously with all their money. If anybody says anything against the nation of Israel, they are, they are raining the curses of God upon them. Hallelujah. They are passing money and giving it to Israel, trying to influence government policies concerning Israel and all that. Because they believe that when the Messiah comes again, he's going to establish the third temple. They are building the temple. And the building of the temple is what signifies when Jesus will come. Really? Really? In this age? <laughs> Hallelujah. How lost could we be? When Jesus has come and died and gone, and these people who are lost are thinking the Messiah is yet to come, you join them in their ignorance to build a temple. When God has said, I don't dwell in temples built with hands, you are helping them build a temple. For them to resume their sacrifices of animals and bulls and goats. And which God should receive that one? <laughs> Sometimes I wonder what is wrong with believers. <laughs> you go and join them at their, their wailing wall to go and pray. <coughs> because you believe over there. It's, it's somebody saying, it's quick access to God. <laughs> you travel all the way from the US, from your country, to go to the wailing wall to go and join unbelievers. To pray, you put the shawl on your head and you feel so cool. This is telling my prayer is going fast. <laughs> In vain, these people worship me, teaching for doctrines, their traditions and commandments of them. Hallelujah! It is a saddest thing. Hallelujah! Let's come out of that. And that's what the dispensationalists believe. That Jesus comes to us in a new dispensation. And the key thing that Max is coming is the building of the temple in Jerusalem. So until you hear them, they'll come on there. They'll tell you, they are carrying the money, the priesthood is being restored, they'll do some teachings, and it sounds so nice. 
you so sow your seed and let's carry it to them. And friend, you are better off using it for your own things here. Israel is like everybody else. There is no distinction anymore between the Greek and the Jew. The poor and the rich, the slave and the free. Hallelujah. In Christ Jesus, neither circumcision or circumcision that they let anything. Hallelujah. They need Jesus to be saved. We need Jesus to be saved. Everybody around the world needs Jesus to be saved. They are not a special people. The peculiar people is the body of Christ. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, an holy nation, a peculiar people set apart to display the virtues and perfections of him that called you out of his, out of darkness into his marvelous light. Not the Israelites. Hallelujah. They are like everybody else. Amen and amen. As if they are like what? They need Jesus as everybody else needs Jesus. And they better believe Abraham will not save them. Jesus said to them, You think I'm the one who accuses you? There's one who accuses you before God, Moses. <laughs> Moses, the one whom you put your trust, is accusing you before God. Because you've chosen not to believe in the one Moses prophesied about. He says, A prophet like unto me, Moses is not correct. A prophet like unto me, unto you. God will send you. <laughs> Hallelujah. But in that he was simply a type of Christ. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Jesus is the word become flesh. So you don't listen to Jesus and then go and listen to this. You listen to this only in as much as they reveal your point to Christ. Hallelujah. Your character study for the rest of your life should be Jesus. I say your character study should be you. You might even finish studying the man and you are busy studying Ruth and Naomi. <laughs> oh Lord, you are busy studying Job. Somebody will take Job. Job chapter number 4 verse this. The guy and his friend said so many things at the end of the chapter. Job said, I said all these things in ignorance. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> but somebody is busy doing biblical studies of what somebody said in ignorance. <laughs> Hallelujah. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That is the theology of some people. <laughs> Hallelujah. We love it. It sounds nice. I mean, fanciful doctrine. <laughs> the Lord give it. The Lord take it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Does God give and take away? Hallelujah. <laughs> he gives and he takes away. But I too choose to say, Blessed be the name of the. Oh, oh, oh. So you come back from the. Is it your song? Wait, wait, who is that? Wherever it is, you go for your call. 
their concert and you come back, you're so excited. Man, we have such a wonderful time. You're in the kitchen, gives her takes away. The woman you said, everything God has given you, start taking them away. Mama. <laughs> the forgiveness he gave you in Christ, he takes it away. <laughs> we'll see where you. Hallelujah. Knowledge is good, though. You see, I found out that as a Christian, you do yourself no service by being sensational. Nothing in the kingdom is based on sensations, feelings, emotions. Oh, I feel, you see, and it's, it's very common with charismatic. Not that it's only charismatic. Charismatic brings God's that Most of our truths are based on emotions. If it feels good and it's sensational to me, then it must be true. That's how we determine truth for most, most charismatic technical stuff. Everything is sensationalism and, you know, emotions. But the thing has nothing to do with how you feel. <laughs> Your sensations and you dancing and being happy. Doesn't change the fact. Go for knowledge. Go for what? Knowledge. That means you must study, read. Read and study. Study. So that you know. Now, like you have a hospital and somebody comes in. As you've been working in the hospital, and the doctor, somebody comes and says, Oh, you know, I was there when this woman was delivering. And I saw the doctor, the way he was doing so I can also deliver a baby. Will you allow him to deliver the baby? Why? He is not steady. But mostly that's how we are. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. We give God praise. Hallelujah. Well, let's get to our message for today. <laughs> There's always a message before the message. Amen and amen. Are you being blessed? Hallelujah. So stop singing all those songs. They are nice, that nice, it stops singing them. It doesn't do you any good. It, it actually blinds your understanding, makes you dull of hearing. It affects your spiritual thinking. Hallelujah. Yeah? It affects your spiritual Before you start jumping and dancing, listen to the lyrics of the song. Examine them in the light of Christ. Do they line up? Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Let's get to the word. Let's get to the word. Do you love God's word? Hallelujah. Do you love the word of God? Yes. If you love God's word, then you must be a diligent student of the word. You see, one time I was in the lab, I was doing some experiments. We did we did several tries, you know, and it didn't work. And we are having some problem. We are always losing. There's a part of our molecule we're losing. So I, in, in my dissertation, when I was writing my dissertation, I was trying to explain that, and I wrote the the mysterious loss of this part of. I don't want to be technical. I just said the mysterious loss of this part of the molecule. Blah 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 blah. I used my professor. I know what I'm doing. Immediately, he said, "Come here." He said, "Son, there's nothing mysterious inside." <laughs> 
explain it better. <laughs> if you don't know, you say it's mysterious, right? That's how we are. When you don't know, don't say it's mysterious. Go and read and know. Take the Bible and read it. If you don't understand it, call somebody who understands. Call your pastor. Let him explain to you. Call Pastor Sam. Hallelujah. I will explain to you. If you don't understand, seek knowledge. Read the scriptures. The Bible says, comparing spiritual with spiritual. Compare scripture to scripture. Study it. Now we even have computer Bible. You can even type in the word. It will bring you everywhere in the Bible it appears. You can do consistent study. You see, you lazy Christians can never be successful Christians. You can never be. Your life will always be shallow. There will be no substance. When we weigh you, you are like a feather. In the realm of the spirit, you carry no weight. You can pray thousand hours. Most of your prayers will be amiss. Hallelujah. Knowledge. Knowledge is the asset, the greatest asset of the believer. Knowledge. The correct teaching of the word of God. That is why you see, I weep when I see, you know, we, we are wasted and we waste Sunday services. But we are there talking about things that don't matter. And people will not come to midweek service. You see, the teaching service, we put it at midweek service, Wednesday. 13 is one hour. And even now, people will not come. Bible study. Now, nobody comes. Sunday services, we don't even do proper study on the Word of God. It's just, you know, sensational stuff, and then we go. For 52 weeks in a year, you ask a believer something about Jesus, he doesn't know. They go out to preach the gospel. Somebody asks some question. Then they say, you know, this evangelism, my pastor said, I don't really even know. That's lost. Hallelujah. Because what? We lack We don't study. But you must be a student of the word. You must be what? Student of the word. Study. Study. I remember when I started my research, I was doing some experiments. Because I had not read what previous people had done. <laughs> Instead of searching past articles to find out what And I was doing the same thing they were doing. I said, ah, for almost like six months. Then I discovered the paper and I saw that this thing I'm struggling with, the guy has done it and seen that it doesn't work. So don't do it that way. I said, oh, no. what was I even wasting my If I had read, I would have said six months. If you are red, your seed of $2,000, you could have saved this for a down payment to your house or your car. <laughs> but somebody claimed it. It's in his pocket. It is not coming back to you. It is gone. Gone forever. <laughs> it is not coming back. <laughs> hey, God will bless you still. Eh? I said God will bless you still. It's not about me worrying you. <laughs> So I'm just going to encourage you, you don't worry. You see? You still get that. You know? He gave you bounce, but I mean, you still, there's still a... <laughs> when you get out of your ignorance, no. You still get it back. You don't get back. Best. Not like you get it back, like money double. <laughs> you still get it You see? Let me tell you something, no. for me. I know people, eh? <laughs> Who have been duped out of their money? You understand? 
You know where they are? <laughs> I wish they got it back. I wish not in another kind of blessing. If as for God blessing you, it's not because of that. He will bless you anyways. Because of what Christ has done. So that blessing is for sure. But that one is gone. <laughs> Forget about it. I'm not saying that any seed you sow is waste. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, if somebody makes a merchandise of you and gives you out of his own desires, using scripture to support him, to deceive you because you don't know the word of God, it's gone. But when you give in the church and you give correctly, you are blessed. The Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive, right? Yes. Amen and amen. So if somebody comes to tell you that you give this to double and all that, it's gone. After God blessing you with a nice job, God will bless you. Hallelujah. He's your shepherd and you shall not want. It's not because of that one. He will bless you. So even though you may comfort yourself with that knowledge, it's just a fleeting comfort for yourself, but nothing is in it. Amen and amen. So don't be deceived. If you go to town and somebody dupes you right now, you know you are not getting it back. The people Trump created a university of God that one didn't get it back. <laughs> Hallelujah. We'll cut this part out of the message before. <laughs> I'm responsible for something. <laughs> Hallelujah. You see, don't, don't give yourself false comfort. Hallelujah. That's why you need the knowledge of God's word. So that you don't do things amiss. Amen and amen. How does God bless you? God has blessed you, Christ Jesus, with all manner of spiritual blessings. He has blessed you. You are blessed. Amen. Say with me, I'm blessed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. Anyways, let's get to the word of God, shall we? I've said it several times. Let's get to it. Oh, Lord. Amen, amen. Finally, he moved to the next slide. <laughs> what are we talking about today? The reality of the new covenant. Amen, and amen. The reality of the new covenant. That's what we are talking about today. Hallelujah. If you notice from the scripture very well, what we call the Old Testament, and we have to define things very well. If not, we'll be confused. For most of us, when we hear of the Old Covenant, we think of the books of the Bible. Old Covenant, that is Genesis to Malachi. That's most of us are thinking. And then the New Covenant is Matthew to Revelation. That's our thinking. But the covenant is not books of the Bible. A covenant is terms of a relationship. How God relates to you. Now, the books of the Bible, that is the scriptures, Genesis to Malachi, they contain revelation of the old covenant and also and contain the practices of the old covenant and prophecies concerning the new covenant that was to come. But you know, we normally think of those books as old covenants. So even in our Bible, it's called Old Testament, right? 
But I want you to get the distinction very well in your mind. When we say covenant or the testament, it has to do with the terms of relationship between you and God. How God deals with you concerning everything. And how you will deal with God or relate to God. Amen and amen. That's what it is. But if you study the books that contain majority of the old covenant with its practices and everything, it foretells salvation. Yesterday we read it. How that from a child you have known the scriptures, which is able to make you wise unto what? Salvation. It foretells salvation. Then you come to the gospels. What are the gospels? Eyewitness accounts. Somebody say eyewitness accounts. What are eyewitness accounts? I saw this, so I write down exactly what I saw. Hallelujah. They are eyewitness accounts. And normally they talk about getting saved. When you read the Gospels, you see that Jesus talks about, you know, the kingdom of God coming to you and all of that. And how people should be saved. Amen and amen. Now, when you study the Gospels, there is a way you have to study the Gospels. A lot of people are tricked up by the Gospels. Oh, let's study the letters he read, the things Jesus said. That's what some people study, the Gospels. Those things are the most important. So everything Jesus said, he carried. It's not everything Jesus said that relates to you, the new creation in Christ. That's what I'm saying. rightly dividing the word of truth. It's not everything Jesus said that relates to you. Hallelujah. There are certain things he said to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, because they were living under the law. He was born under the law to fulfill the law and the prophet and to redeem them from under the law. So whilst he lived under the law, he had to live in fulfillment of the law. So sometimes you say certain things to them because they were under the law. But it's not for you the new creation in Christ. So you, when you are studying the text, even the letters you read, the words of Jesus, you have to study carefully. In the light of the revelation, of the epistles. That is why if you read the epistles, that is the books of the apostles, they did not quote Jesus. Have you noticed it? How many of you have really read the epistles very well? James, Peter, Paul, John. They never quoted Jesus. They referred to events that happened. Like Peter talked about when we were on the Mount of Glory. We were eyewitnesses of his glory. When we heard a voice from heaven, this is my beloved son. Never really quoted Jesus. The only person who quoted Jesus was once Paul. Even Paul was not there at that time. He said, Therefore, you have heard that our Lord Jesus said, It's more blessed to give than to receive. But we know when you read the Gospels, you never even hear Jesus say exactly those words. But Paul was drawing from a summation of Jesus' teachings that was more blessed to give than to receive. And probably must have been passed on unto him. Hallelujah. So how should you study the Gospels? They are eyewitness accounts. Eyewitness accounts. Amen and amen. What are the epistles? The epistles are the revelation of the mystery. Which was hidden aforetime. But now, God has revealed unto us. Which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. What, is, what was the mystery? Mysterium. A mystery is something that is hidden. Right? Revelation is to uncover something that is hidden. 
the mystery was hidden in the scriptures. Why was it hidden? Was it God who intentionally hid them? No. But it was in there, but the people could not see it. Because even the people who prophesied and spoke about these things and wrote about it, they themselves did not understand what they were writing about. So it took the revelation of the Spirit to bring the understanding into the mysteries. What we call mystery. But now it's no longer a mystery to us. That's what the Bible says. It's no longer a mystery to us. No longer a mystery. So it says, unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom. Unto you it is given to know. So before Jesus left, he left a disclaimer on his own teachings. He says, I have many things to tell you, but you cannot bear them now. That means it had to do with their what? Capacity. You understand? It had to do with their capacity to handle. He says, I have many. That means the real things I want to say, I could not say them. Because you guys don't have the spiritual capacity. You are still dead men walking. You can't handle them. So I just told you parables. That's it. That without, and without a parable, Jesus, without a parable, everything he did was in parables unto them. What are parables? Parables are like the lowest form of learning. You bring the thing down or saute it to the level of the person so that you can understand. Because of the way, you know when you are, for example, you are trying to teach your child something. Because you know he probably don't understand certain technical things, you bring it down, make certain analogies that he would understand. That's why when Jesus was giving the power say, the parable of the sower, the sower went to sow seed. Because they were agrarian people. They understand when you say sower, they know they've seen a sower before. He wants to sow seed. But Jesus could have gone straight. The word of God is this and that. He could have gone, but he didn't go, they would not understand. He said to Nicodemus, if I've spoken to you of things of the earth, and you still don't understand. What are the things of the parables? I use earthly things to describe heavenly realities. You still don't understand. When I say you must be born again, you still don't understand. You must be born of water. You still don't understand that to be born of water means to be born of the spirit. You are still struggling with that one. You want to make a doctrine out of you of water. How can you understand when I give you the real being? You see the thing? Hallelujah. The epistles are the revelation of the mystery. Amen, amen. Now, if the mystery is revealed, is it a mystery anymore? No. That's why Paul says we use plainness of speech. So everything concerning our life in Christ, everything concerning what God will have us do, everything concerning how we are supposed to live in Him, is plainly stated in the epistles. If there is something that God expects of you, it is plainly written there. If it is not plainly stated there, it is not for you. Hallelujah. That's why I keep telling you, for example, like the question you asked me yesterday about time. If it was, if it is something God will, it will be plainly stated there. Hallelujah. And Paul would have got a seed because you know money is a very controversial area. So if it was, if the tithe was money and they want you to, you would have cleared because Paul spoke about money. I didn't touch it because. <laughs> These are pastors. Well, these people were Jews. It's not like they were they were Jews. Sometimes we behave as if we are more Jewish than them. We want to be more Jewish than them. 
So we'll go there and we'll carry water from Jordan River and we'll carry the shore. Let we carry it. But I wonder. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. If God does not dwell in temples made with hands, why did Moses build that temple? Who asked him? Because God says, and even, listen to this, the Bible says the sacrifices they were offering, God was not even pleased with it. He had no pleasure in them. So who asked them to bring the sacrifice? Who we'll get it? <laughs> I don't dwell in temples made with hands. So why did you even build it in heaven? Who asked Moses to build? We'll get there. Amen and amen. It's serious, though. But you see, the study of the word is beautiful because you begin to see things well. When you, when you have the day star, which shines through dark places, and you are looking through the day star, you can see it. The things that they saw dark and represented in darkness, you can see clearly now. Hallelujah. Somebody say, I see clearly. I see clearly. In Christ, I see clearly. Yes, I see clearly. There is no ambiguity in it. The Bible says that every good and perfect be coming from above, from the Father of what? Lights. In whom there is no variableness. That word variableness, the Greek rendering actually means, is like there is no portions. But you know, you ask me a question about me, I won't tell you everything, I just give you one. And then another time, I'll give you one. And then another time, I'll give you one. No, 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 no. It's not that like that with God. There is, there's no variable. There's no mutation in God. Like today is here, tomorrow is here. Some people that's how they are in their mind. They see God today, this way, tomorrow, that way, tomorrow. See, they are double-minded. Right? So the double-minded man cannot receive anything from God. It's the same word as variableness. You see, he has a double mind about God in his own mind. He sees God somewhere. Today he sees God as a terrible God of the Old Testament. Then today he sees God as a gracious God. He says that he cannot receive anything from God. Why? Because to him, he thinks, okay, God is gracious. He will give me everything. But maybe he will not give it to me because I've done this, I've done that. I don't know. Double-mindedness. But Jesus comes to tell us clearly who God is. And who he, how he loves us. Hallelujah. And how he deals with us. The reality of the new covenant. Amen and amen. In whom is no variableness, nor shadow, dark, askia, darkness, due to what? Turning. There's no darkness in whom. The Bible says, in him is no darkness. So the shadows and shadows, where do they come from? Because in him is no darkness. Amen and amen. That means what they saw of the reality was the darkness of their own mind, their own picture, and they gave it to us. But still, the light of the day star was shining through. Even though dimly, it was still shining through. Their darkness could not quench it. The darkness of their ignorance could not still not quench it. Even though Moses could not see Christ and tell us that it is Christ, he said the tree of life, it could not quench it. We still know that it is Christ. Hallelujah. In the garden. We still know. Amen and amen. Now the day star has risen in our hearts. Hallelujah. Somebody say the day star has risen in my heart. Hallelujah. So the epistles, which are a revelation of the mystery, they focus on what? Growing up spiritually in Christ. 
That's what they focus on. Growing up what? Spiritually in Christ. And as I mentioned to you, spiritual growth is a function of knowledge. Knowledge of what? Christ. As a believer, Jesus is your food. He said, I am the true bread that came from heaven. He is your meal, your breakfast, your lunch, your supper, and your dinner plus snacks. Hallelujah. There is no meal anywhere else. So he says, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. That means any other knowledge, you will not grow, you will be stunted. You think you are growing, but you are stunted. Hallelujah. Second Peter 3 18 says, But grow in grace and in the knowledge. In the words, knowledge of business, knowledge of accounting, knowledge of science, knowledge of world creation, knowledge of success. In the knowledge of what? To me, baby, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. If you study accounting, you will grow in accounting. It's not like it will not be beneficial. It will be you will grow in accounting, but not in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. If you study world creation, you will grow in world creation, but not in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you study financial, you will grow in financial prosperity, but not in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not like it will not be useful, it will be. But it is not here. Hallelujah. So to grow in, the, in Christ Jesus, you need the knowledge of the Lord Christ Jesus. To Him be glory forever and ever. Amen. So study Christ. Learn of Him. How? From the scriptures. We said there's no knowledge of God outside the scriptures. It's not that there's no knowledge of God anywhere. By vision. You know, people, start, people are still moved by people's visions. But what about this pastor said he had a vision? There was a time that one of our brothers, Brother Jesse Duplantis, says he had a vision. He went to heaven and he saw something describing heaven and some things and all that. You know? It's really interesting. But how do you grow? By the knowledge of Christ. For where? The scriptures, not by a man's vision. Amen and amen. You understand what I'm talking about? Again, let me repeat this. We don't grow by people's visions. We grow by the knowledge of Christ Jesus in the scripture. Even when you die and go to heaven, that is this, it is the same revelation of the scripture as what you will learn there. Nothing more, nothing less. So this text of scripture, don't joke with it all. Goodness, there is a reason God inspired the writing of it. Hallelujah. I saw a man the other day, someone said, Oh God, speak to me. Then God handed the Bible to you. <laughs> he has spoken. God has spoken. In who? Jesus. It is final. So he says, This is my beloved son. Hear ye him. Listen to him. When he said that, 
Moses was there, Elijah was there on the Mount of Transfiguration. So glorious was the sight. Peter said, Lord, let us build. It is good we are here. Let's build three tents. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Jesus said, This guy, these people that I came to this place, you want to make them permanent. Then the voice came down, said, This is my beloved son. Not Moses and Elijah, because Moses and Elijah are the two key figures for the Jews. Moses representing the law, Elijah representing the prophets. There was no prophet greater than Elijah. The Bible talks about John the Baptist coming in the spirit of Elijah. Hallelujah. Jesus said concerning that he was Elijah to come. Amen and amen. But he said, This Jesus is my beloved son. Hear he him. Not the law, not the prophet. Hear him. I'm speaking to you in him. He is my message. Because in the beginning was the word, logos, intent, purpose. Before you speak, you have an intention. That was Jesus. Before God did anything, his intent and purpose that he had in his mind, that was Jesus. The word, the intent, the purpose. That's the logos. There are a lot of people think the logos is the unactivated word of God. <laughs> and the river is the activated word of God. When the Spirit of God moves on the word, the logos, then it becomes the river. No. The logos is Jesus. And the Bible says, the word of God is what living and active. The logos of God is living and active. It is sharper than any two ever saw. The Logos is living and it doesn't need the Holy Ghost to move on it to become living. It is already living and active. What is Rema? Rema is, is the speaking. How the Logos is transmitted. Speaking. The mode, the speaking mode. That's simply Rema. So the Logos was Rema. <laughs> Hallelujah. Kapende mazume mataras. Kelabongo shantini nikagosis. Amen, amen. Spiritual growth is a function of knowledge. Amen, amen. There are key things to understand as we attempt to grow spiritually. Amen, amen. Through the knowledge of the Word of God, through the knowledge of Christ Jesus. Now, watch this. The first thing is spiritual growth is not an attempt to end God's favor. We must establish that. That's why I put that one first. When we talk about growing us spiritually, it is not an attempt. To earn God's favor. So the teachings of the epistles for us is not so that this time we are not about to earn God's favor. No. There are a lot of people that's their thinking. Your praying, your studying the Bible is not to earn God's favor. God is not going to love you more because you pray more or because you read your Bible more. It is for your own benefit. Your studying the word, your praying does not have any effect on God, it has an effect on you. God is God and will forever be God. Hallelujah. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Rock of ages. <laughs> Ancient of this. As old as you are. <laughs> he's not old. He doesn't old because he's not in time. Ages with time. But he dwells in eternity. Hallelujah. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It is not attempt to end God's favor. Why? Because you already have God's favor. Somebody say I have God's favor. I have God's favor. So I can't come to you and say, come and let me give you favor. No, 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 no. You have God's favor. Amen and amen. 
Say me, I'm favored in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Why? Ephesians 1 6. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he had made us accepted, accepted his favor. Favored. Accepted. Where? In the beloved. Who is the beloved? This is my beloved son. Who? Jesus Christ. So in Christ, I'm accepted. I don't have to do anything to be accepted. I'm accepted in Christ. I am favored in Christ. So growing us spiritually is not an attempt to now be accepted by God. If I don't grow, I'll not be accepted by God. If I don't grow, I'll not be favored by God. No, 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 no. The things I'm doing to grow in Christ are not an attempt to earn God's favor because I'm already accepted in the villa. Ephesians 1 6. Spiritual growth is not a pursuit of justification. I've taught you what justification is. Anybody remember? Justification. What is justification? I love the way somebody defines it. Just as if I have not sinned. Hallelujah. Justification. Justification is God treating you as innocent because of what Christ has done. Hallelujah. God treating you as innocent because of what that means is you've not done anything wrong. In Christ Jesus, we have the gift of not wrong. You can never be wrong <laughs> in Christ Jesus. You are the gift of not wrong. So if somebody brings an accusation against you, the answer is not wrong. Hallelujah. By that you can silence the accuser. Not wrong. Says who shall bring a, a charge against the elect of God? When it is God that justified, yea, Christ that died and is risen from the dead. Who shall bring a charge against the elect of God? When it is God that justifies. A lot of people think, after God is the angry God about to consume you. Then it is God that justified you. Because of his love, he brought Jesus, raised him from the dead for your justification. Why is it that the resurrection infected your justification? Because when Christ died, you died. And in that death, you pay the penalty for your sin. Because the Bible says, the wages of sin is what? death. So you have to pay. So in the death of Christ, you paid. Now that you've been raised unto newness of life, it's a new creation. One with no history, one with no past, your history is Christ. Hallelujah. That's the only history. So God says you as, ah, you've not done anything wrong. Go for it. Amen and amen. Who did it? God. The Bible says, and all things are of God. Hallelujah. He did it for us in Christ. Romans 5 17. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they that receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Receive the gift. Righteousness is what? A gift. That comes out of justification. Shall reign in life by that one Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. So when I am. Pursuing spiritual growth, praying, studying the word, and doing all those things, it's not because I'm pursuing justification. I want to be justified before God. A lot of people think Christianity is justified your inclusion. Now that you are come, you must justify, you must do things to justify that you are there. If not, you will lose your, 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 your salvation. Hallelujah. Spiritual growth, lastly, is not a guarantee of salvation. What is the guarantee of your salvation? 
Um, what is the guarantee of salvation? I've taught you that before. Christ Jesus, He gave you the Holy Ghost, which is the guarantee of the purchased possession. That's what we have received the earnest of the Spirit. Hallelujah. So, spiritual growth is not a guarantee of salvation. So anybody who comes to tell me, if you don't study the Bible, you don't go to heaven. <laughs> if you sin, you don't go to heaven. If you do this, you don't go to heaven. Every time, you don't go to heaven. And you know, spiritual growth is not a pursuit of going to heaven. That's not what spiritual growth is for. Amen and amen. Hebrews 25. Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. He says to the world, he says to the world, he says to the world, one more time, one more time, one more time, we are in class. He says to the uttermost, that is forever and eternally, how will you lose it? I love what something Charles Spencer said. He said, If Christ died once and for all, then I am saved once and for all. Yes. <laughs> do you agree? agree? You agree? For me, you agree? Or you think you have to do something else? Huh? If Christ died once and for all, then I am saved once and for all. So once saved, forever. Saved. Some people will fight me on this one. But you are fighting your own shadow. Hallelujah. Go and find the truth. Amen and amen. It's a done deal. Sometimes I wonder what people think about the salvation Christ has brought. Like some flimsy something that you can just. It's not of you. Everything was effected by God, guaranteed by His grace. <laughs> Hallelujah. It has, when we say guarantee, it, has, it is insured by His grace. When you buy your car, you buy a car insurance, right? So that if something happens, they cover you. The insurance of your salvation is grace. Hallelujah. Your salvation is insured by grace. You can't even destroy it. <laughs> Hallelujah. I love that one. Other Bible says, stand fast in the liberty where with Christ has made you free. And don't let anybody put you at any yoke of bondage. Amen. Amen. So spiritual growth is not for these things. What is spiritual growth therefore for? It's so that you can live the life in Christ and enjoy its benefit to the full. It's for your own good. Because if you are in appeals, you will still be living under the elements of this world. You will be a child tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Hallelujah. That's what the Bible says that concerning evil and mal malice be children, but in understanding be mature. Hallelujah. When you mature in Christ, you enjoy fully the benefits and the blessings that flow out of the resurrection. The glories that has flowed out of the resurrection of Christ comes yours. Hallelujah. Mando si akabase. So now that we have established these things, let's get into the real thing, the reality of the new covenant. Amen and amen. And as we learn about the new covenant, we are growing because spiritual knowledge, spiritual growth is a function of what? 
knowledge. So as you are increasing in knowledge, you are growing. You are growing up in Christ. The scriptures teach of two covenants. The old and the new. Do you know that before Jesus came, and even after Jesus came, the only covenant that they knew was the old covenant. It wasn't called the old until Jesus came and established the new. That's when it became what old. But it was the covenant. What is covenant? How God deals with you is the uh, the the, the con- not the contract, but rather the agreement of my dealing with you. How I'm going to deal with you. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. The key thing to understand from the same scriptures is that one of these covenants is outdated and expired. This is very crucial. One is outdated, expired, and replaced by the other. Which one is expired? The old covenant. What do you do with something that is expired? Trash. You don't keep it there to complement the new. The tomato is expired. It is rotten. But you are keeping it there and you are chopping it to add it to the new. It is expired. You see mold grown all around it. Yet you are cutting it and adding it to the fresh tomatoes because you are saying, you know, let me spice it up a little with this one. You are spicing the new one with the old one. That is how some Christians are in their work of faith. They spice their life in Christ with their own covenant. It's funny, but it's so sad. It is outdated, it is expired, and it is replaced by the other, which is the new covenant. Therefore, both covenants cannot, see what I do here, they cannot be practiced side by side. You don't practice them side by side. Hallelujah. What did Jesus say? Mark chapter number 2 verse 21 to 22. No man also sews a piece of new cloth on an old garment, else the new piece that filled it up taken away from the old, and the rent is made worse. And no man puts new wine into old wine bottles, else the new wine bears the bottles, and the wine is filled, and the bottles will be mad, but the new wine must be put into new wine bottles. Hallelujah. That means you can't have a mixture. Amen and amen. That means in your life as a Christian, you can't go back in your thinking. Mark chapter number two. That's Mark. Yeah, that's Mark. Mark chapter number two. The key did not come. Mark chapter number two. Hallelujah. Is it? So you can't in your mind be thinking how God dealt with the Israelites as the way God is dealing with you. Then another time you are thinking, no, 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 no. You can't have it. It's not. Listen, new wine must be in new wine bottles. It is actually poisonous to your Christian faith to do that. When you cut molded tomatoes and add it to fresh, what's going to happen to you? Even if you have 100 fresh tomatoes and just two molded tomatoes, you put them inside, what will happen? Hmm? You get what diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> An athletic stomach. <laughs> stomach in that sense. It's doing exercise. <laughs> Hallelujah. But the scriptures teach on these two covenants. Let's examine this then. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. 
The Bible says concerning God, who had made us able ministers of what? Made us able ministers of what? The New Testament or the New Covenant. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter does what? Kills. Please. I didn't write the Bible. We are reading what was written. Look at it here. He has made us able ministers of the New Testament, of the New Covenant. We'll learn what it is in a few minutes. Not of the letter. That means the letter has to do with the Old Covenant, right? Not of what the letter, but of the Spirit. That means the New Testament is in the Spirit. It is spiritual. It is not in letters engraving in stones. It is not carnal. For the letter does what? The old covenant does what? It does what? It kills. So if you live by it, you will die. It will kill you spiritually. But the spirit, the New Testament of the spirit, that's what gives. See, if you read, you will know. This was not a revelation I had. It is here. I'm just pointing you to it. Let's go to verse 7. So here we are seeing differences. But if the ministration of death he calls the old covenant ministration of death. What is ministration? Serving. It's a service of death. You go to a restaurant, the waiter comes and serves you death. <laughs> See that one? Whether you tip him or not, you chop that when you die. <laughs> but the administration of death, where was it? Written and engraved in stones. What was these stones? The Ten Commandments that was received. The old commandment was written and engraved in what? Stones. The Ten Commandments. As I tell people, people are fighting over the Ten Commandments in the U.S. They are fighting over it. Oh, let's have the Ten Commandments here. Let's have the Ten Commandments here. That is good Ten Commandments. Do you know that the man says the strength of sin is the law? Where sin derives its strength is the law. Anywhere the law is, sin is strong. Hallelujah. Do you know what kills sin? Spirit life. Grace. It kills sin. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. But the ministration of death, written and engraving in stone, was glorious. Even that one was glorious. So that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look at the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance. Which glory was to be done away. So if you walk in that covenant, there is a certain glory in it. But that glory fades away. It doesn't last. It fades away. Hallelujah. How shall not the ministration of the Spirit which gives life rather be glorious? For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. What is the law of sin and death? The old covenant. The ministration of death. Hallelujah. How 
shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? The glory of this new covenant abides. It is not a fading glory. That's what the Bible says, from glory to glory. You know what that means? It's not from glory to glory to glory to glory. It's from glory to glory. One glory to another. From the glory of the old covenant to the glory of... What is the glory of the old covenant? Death. <laughs> Don't think of like... What is the glory of the old covenant? Death. What is the glory of the new covenant? Life. Hallelujah. Do you see it now? We are continuing. Verse 9. For in the ministration... Now, he calls it what? The letter? He calls it ministration of death. Another description given as well. He says, For in the ministration of condemnation, mm, if I live in it, I'm always under condemnation. If you see a believer living under condemnation and guilt all the time, it is likely he has tasted of the fruit of death, which is the old covenant. God said to them in the garden, Don't eat of this tree. In the New Testament, he's saying to you, Don't eat of this tree. The day you eat it, you will die. It's a ministration of, if you eat it, you will be condemned and you will be living in guilt. But people are still eating from the fruits of those that tree. Even though the tree is dead, it has fallen down, the, the fruits are rotten and only, people are still picking them on the floor and eating it up. They are set and packed nicely on the pulpit. So I don't go to a restaurant, the restaurant is the church. If you come and they serve you that, you die. So when people are there preaching the law to people, they are serving death unto them. Is he asking you what it says, ministration of death. Be glory. What is the glory of it? Death. Much more than the ministration of righteousness. He calls the ministration of the Spirit what? Righteousness. The ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. What is that glory? Life. For even that which was made glorious had no glory. <laughs> In this respect, by reason of the glory that excelled, I mean the glory that excelled, hallelujah. For if that which is done away, that which is done away, the old covenant is what? Done away. The letter is what? Done away. The Ten Commandments is what? Done away. Engraving in tablets of stone. Done away. Much more than which remained. The Spirit is what? You will see then that we have such hope. We use great plainness of speech. Not as Moses who covered his face. If you continue on. We use great plainness of speech. That's on the epistles. There are no types and shadows in the, in the New Testament. There are no types and shadows. What it is is what it is. They tell you plain. There are no types and shadows. Because Christ, the reality has come. So we don't need any types and shadows anymore. That's why I keep telling you, come out of the shadows. There's no need to be walking in shadows. Bread and wine and water and hair scar and this anointing bottle. All those things, shadows, come out of We use great plainness of speech because we are the reality. It tells you point blank. This is it. Say walk in the newness of life. It tells you point blank. Plainness of speech. There is no shadows and mystery. There is no mystery anywhere. Plainness of speech. There's a mystery about Titan. You don't know. There is no mystery anywhere, my friend. <laughs> For the way. Plainness of speech. There's no mystery. 
There's no what? There's no what? There's no mysterious. Somebody's name mysterious. Hallelujah. There's no mysterious anywhere. It is what? Plain. Clear. We know. We know. Hallelujah. Are you not happy for the light of knowledge? It is only those who dwell in shadows that keep saying mystery. Because everything is a mystery to them because they are in the shadow. Hallelujah. But I'm in the day star because the day star has risen in my heart. Amen. Yes. So I know I see everything clearly. It's not a mystery to me. I see it's clear. I can relate to it. God is clear. God is not a mystery. I know God clearly in Christ. I see Him clearly. He's not mysterious today. He's that way today. There is no very openness, no shadow due to telling Him in. But the old covenant, they never know God whether it's this way. So John says, I've heard of you by the hearing of the ear. But not now, though, but I see you. Hallelujah. Amen. He give and then he take away. So mysterious. We don't know. And some things, they are mysterious. Like sometimes, you know, somebody will ask you a question when you don't know in the Bible. So you know, God's ways are mysterious. <laughs> God's ways are what? Why are there hurricanes? Why are there, why is there the tsunami? Why do good people die? Why do this? See, my brother, God's ways. And he works in mysterious Why did this guy die so long? God works in mysterious ways, my brother. Take heart. Hallelujah. We paint God to be this wicked guy, wicked ruler. Like he's just there when he's not happy, he just take one of the lives of his friends out and his children away. Just kills them. I give you the life, I can just take and snatch it. I am the Lord. I kill it and I make it alive. <laughs> Hallelujah. In their darkness, that's how they saw God. He's God. He's, he kill it and he make it alive. Hallelujah. And that's, how, that's the mentality we carry about God. Mystery. We are in shadows. Darkness. As here. Shadows. Shadows. Darkness. Coming to the light in Christ is clear. God has never killed anyone before. He doesn't even know how to kill. All he knows is how to give life. Do you know that? Including David and Goliath. God did not kill Goliath. Hallelujah. He didn't kill them. God hasn't killed anyone before. He doesn't. Jesus came to show us. Because they were going to kill the people. Let's call now fire to me. What did Jesus say? You don't know what manner of spirit you are of. God doesn't kill. So he says, Vengeance is mine. I will repay. How will he repay you with death? With sickness, will you repay your enemies with sickness and death and boils and fever? No. He says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. You know, repay your enemies with starvation and hunger. He says, feed him. That is God's own repayment. That's God's own vengeance. Love is God's vengeance. God has never killed anyone. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Jesus came to clear all the mysteries and the abstract thinking of who God is. But you see, the verse says, 
the natural man cannot receive the things of the spirit. So it's foolishness of him. He cannot even know them. That's why they struggle with these things. Hallelujah. So we use great plainness of speech. We don't talk in this. So when you go somewhere and somebody is speaking mysteriously, my ring get out of here. The gospel is plain. Christ died according to the scriptures. He was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and enter into his glory in bringing many sons to glory? God's perfected the captain of our salvation through sufferings. We have entered the glory. What are we now? We are new creations in Christ Jesus. We are heirs of the promise. Hallelujah. We have the promise fulfilled unto us. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places, far above all principalities and powers, and rulers of darkness. Hallelujah. There is no mystery anywhere. It is clear. See, because they didn't know, they said, an evil spirit from God came to command Saul. Hallelujah. An evil spirit from God. See, now, everything good and bad is from God. Everything good and bad is from where? God. But Jesus came towards clear it up, clear it up, clear it up, so that you know which one is. So when Jesus came, he said, don't be like him who was who was of the devil, for the devil was a natural from the beginning. When Cain killed Abel, we didn't know that the devil was behind the scene. But Jesus came to show us. He came to shed light for you to see. The Cain was of the devil, the wicked one. Hallelujah. And we saw that. Ah. If you read the Old Testament, you don't know. They didn't have a revelation of the devil. So everything good and bad was from God. An evil spirit from God. Eh? Somebody in whom there is no darkness. How can an evil spirit come from him? God sent an evil spirit to Saul. Go and torment him. As a people, that's what they have in their mind. God sent me sickness. It is God testing me. God is training me. God is trying me. God is teaching me a lesson with my malaria. Why are you taking the medicine? You stop on you. You are not learning your lesson. You are taking medicine to come out. You are going for surgery. Sit down and suffer. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. You see the folly of such understanding. Somebody say, I'm in the day star. I use great plainness of speech. No mysteries. Mysterious is God. Hallelujah. If you don't know, read. If you know. There's no mystery anywhere. You know, I remember one time, I went for this program, and one man of God came. The man of God's program I went to, he had invited this other man of God who came and he was he preached a message about open heavens. You know how the Bible says, and Jesus, when he was being baptized and praying, the heavens opened, and you know, spiritual boy was saying that you know you can live under open heavens, blah 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 blah. Then after he finished, he was asking the man of God, you know, should I open the heavens upon them? And then, the man of God, he's a very respect. I respect him so much. He has a lot of knowledge. He saw that the guy was in serious error, so he said, "No, come on, Thursday, come." On. <laughs> he collected the mic. 
The Bible says, your righteousness is like that. But in the new covenant, he gives you the righteousness of Christ. Yes, we have become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Can you get me water? Hallelujah. The new covenant is engraving, so to say, in the spirit. Hallelujah. It is the administration of the spirit, not of the letter. Thank you, I'm talking too much, huh? Like the last time. Is it two hours? Past. Really? In you. I like that. The English of speech. <laughs> So, there are a few facts I want us to consider concerning the old and the new. The old covenant, as you said, is a shadow. The new is the substance of the shadow. Look at Hebrews 10 verse 1. We said the old covenant was engraven in tablets of stone, which is the law. He says, for the law having, listen to this, the law having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comments thereon to perfect. So if it was not making them perfect, who asked them to bring it in the first place? Hallelujah. Look at Colossians chapter number 2, verse 16 to 17. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink. Or in respect of a holy day, or of the new moon, or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow. The Sabbath was a shadow, but today somebody has made it his main doctrine. A whole church movement has built around it. If you don't go to church on Saturday, you are sinning against God. The question is, what did the Israelites even do on the Sabbath? Did they gather for church? Like we are coming for church on Saturday. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Which are the shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Christ is your Sabbath. Amen and amen. All these things are shadows. Let us say, come out of what? The shadows. Christ is your Sabbath. Christ is your Passover. Christ is your covering. Christ is everything for you. Amen and amen. He is your lamb that takes away the sins of the world. You don't go and offer a lamb now, do you? You don't. Amen and amen. The old covenant justified no one. Justification is a provision of what? The new covenant. Look at Galatians chapter number 3, verse 10 to 14. For as many are as the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all the things which are written in the book of the law to do them. <coughs> but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident. For the just shall live by faith, and the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live by them. 
You shall live by the law if you do everything. If you break one, you've broken everything. Hallelujah. He says, Christ had redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being made a curse for us, for it is written, curse is everyone that hanging on a tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. What was the blessing of Abraham? Abraham believed God and he was counted to him for what? Righteousness. That was the justification of Abraham. Hallelujah. That the blessing, Christ became a curse for us. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Amen, amen. I don't want to get into the fact that some people have turned the blessing of Abraham into something else. <coughs> Let's save that for another day. Hallelujah. But these are just a few facts I want us to look at. The old covenant was merely a forerunner. It was given with an expiry date. When you go to the market and you buy something, you buy milk, it has an expiry date on it. It tells you on this day to expire. When it expires, you will throw it away. Hallelujah. That means its use has a definite end. Galatians 3.19 Wherefore then seven the law? It was added because of transgression. Why was the law given? Because of transgression. Until the seed should come to whom the promise was made. Who is that seed? Jesus Christ. And it was ordained by angels in the hands of the mediator. The law was ordained by angels in the hands of the mediator. Who was that mediator? Moses. Hallelujah. Look at Galatians. Let's pick it up from verse 23-25. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto faith, which should after be revealed. Wherefore the law was also our schoolmaster to bring us unto Wherefore the law was a schoolmaster to bring us unto. So if he has brought you to Christ, what do you do? The law was a schoolmaster that brought me to Christ. If you brought me to Christ, what are you doing here? Go away. Hallelujah. That we might be justified by faith. But after that faith is come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. We are no longer under it. That is why somebody calls you Malachi 310. I'm no longer under a schoolmaster. Oh, you see why? Mm-hmm. No longer the schoolmaster. <coughs> oh, wow. It is well. I'm bringing it to an end. Amen. Amen. We are no longer the schoolmaster. So we see that. Hallelujah. In my notes, <laughs> I'm trying to be progressive, so I put all these things in. So we see that the old covenant was never given to bring salvation, but it merely pointed to it. It never gave righteousness. Righteousness never came by the law. It came by faith in Christ. All it did was it showed the importance of it. That is the importance of right standing with God. So if you notice in the law, it talks about what the righteous man gets from God, what the wicked man does not get from God. It shows you the importance of right standing with God, but it never gave righteousness. 
its blessings were conditional. So you read the law and the prophets, you see these kinds of ways. If you obey, if you do all that is written, if you follow, if you serve him, if you hack him diligently, etc. You see, if you do this, if you do that, if you do it, because the blessings in the old covenant were what? Conditional. For example, healing is a very common thing, right? Let's see the conditionality of healing in the old covenant and in the new covenant. Look at it. The old covenant, Exodus 15, 26. And we love to quote it today. Even some of us, we love to quote it. And said, if thou wilt diligently, if thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do all which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes. <laughs> you see the conditions? I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord thy God that healed thee. That means, if you don't do it, I will put the diseases on you. These are the conditions of the Lord. Exodus 23, 23. And ye shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless thy bread. That means if you don't serve it, you will not bless your bread. Hallelujah. So, there are conditions to receiving the blessing of the Lord. There are conditions to receiving the healing of the Lord. In the old covenant. But look at the new covenant. What does it say? When the evening was come, look at Jesus. They brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word, and healed all them that were sick. He healed all that were sick. He didn't answer you. Did you hearken diligently to the word of the Lord? Did you, were you careful to obey to do everything? No, he healed all that were sick. He didn't answer, have you paid your tithe? He didn't He healed all that were sick. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities. He himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Look at 1 Peter 2.24. Who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should be life unto righteousness, by whose stripes we are healed. He took it. If there are any conditions in the new covenant, Jesus met them for us. So everything is free unto us. In the old covenant, there are conditions. So stop quoting. If you serve the Lord your God, He will bless your bread. Oh God, I'm serving you. Bless my bread. No. Come out of that. You are living under the law. God blesses you because you are in Christ. And He has blessed you. Amen. Live in the blessing of Christ. Hallelujah. See the way I'm preaching this thing so hard, I'm losing my voice, I'm coughing and all. Let it not be in vain. Let it not be in vain. So you can see clearly that the old covenant demands. You see, it's always demanding. But the new covenant supplies. Because God is a God of supply. Hallelujah. The old covenant does what? Demands. But the new covenant does what? Supplies. God is not a God of demand, He's a God of supply. Amen. Therefore, these two covenants are not compliments. Now you marry your wife, your wife must compliment you. They are not compliments. They are opposite. One has replaced the other. 
one has expired and is outdated so it is done away with you are living in the new covenant now and we will see what the new covenant is that is how God relates to you now Amen and Amen a few other things here one of the great blessings we have in Christ is the priesthood the Bible says that we are priesthood to God a kingdom of priests hallelujah under the old covenant to become a priest these are the conditions again conditions now therefore if you will obey my voice if and keep my covenant then ye shall be until you do this you can be in the old covenant you always have to do something to meet a requirement then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people for all the earth is mine and ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation these are the words which God shall speak to the children of Israel but the Israelites could not obey it so God only chose Aaron and the tribe of Levi to be priests because they even did themselves cry it was by grace they were chosen <laughs> hallelujah but look at the priesthood under the new covenant. 1 Peter 2 5 to 10. What does it say? Ye also, as living stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer us spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture Behold, I lay in Zion the chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone with the builders disallowed, the same is become the head of the corner. And the stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word and be disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But ye are a chosen generation. There is no ifs and buts. He's telling you what you have become in Christ. In the new covenant, because of what Christ has done, look at what you have become. Ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who have called you out of darkness into the marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but now are the people of God. Hallelujah. You see it. You see it. But now are the people of God. Amen and amen. Which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. We have obtained the priesthood because of what Christ has done. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. We have obtained what? The priesthood because of what Christ has done. But under the old covenant to obtain the priesthood, what do you have to do? Ifs and buts. Somebody say, take your butt out of the way. Somebody say, take your butt out of the way. <laughs> I said, take your ifs and your butts out of the way. Hallelujah. For me, it's like, that's a song. <laughs> Amen. I think this is our last slide, right? This is our last slide. So, what is the spirit of the new covenant? What is the spirit of the new covenant? Hebrews 8, 10 to 13. Look at the spirit of the new covenant. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind, 
and write them in their hearts. And I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor, and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me, from the least to the greatest. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. In that he said a new covenant, he had made the first word. He has made the first word. Now that which decays and waxes old is ready to vanish away. And it has vanished away. Hallelujah. It has what? Vanished away. It is gone. Amen and amen. It has decayed, it has waxed old, it is gone. It has vanished away. Hallelujah. He says, You shall not teach any man. He says, You not tell your brother, know the Lord, for all shall know me. How? Because of Christ in you. you shall know him yourself. He will be merciful to our righteousness. And your sins he will remember no more. Under the old covenant, there was remembrance of what? Sins. But in the new covenant, God remembers them no more. Hallelujah. God remembers them no more. This is the blessing that we are coming to. And to grow us spiritually, we need to understand the realities.